This episode brought to you by Team Stripes Academy. Learn from some of the top officials in the world. Start today at TeamStripesAcademy.com. You're listening to the Team Stripes Podcast, the podcast for hockey referees. Each show, we discuss the world of officiating and find out that not everything is in black and white. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Team Stripes Podcast. I'm your host, Ross Cromaldi, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Nat Swanson. Nat, what is up, dude? Hey, man. Uh, I am Really, it's great to be here. Love riding shotgun on this thing, man. This is a highlight of my, well, it's the month. We, we, uh, we're doing one a month this month, so it's a highlight of my month. Well, there you go. We, uh, yeah, you know, we got a little busy this month. We had a great episode with Mark Riley. And then uh, as referees do in November, they get a little busy. Um, I went on a couple of trips this month that were uh, pretty taxing, but a lot of fun. Um, and, and now we're here. It's the end of the month. We just passed Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, buddy. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you too. Uh, saw and, you guys and all our listeners, obviously hope everyone had a good time. What did you do for your Thanksgiving? Dude, we did nothing. Uh, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't say nothing. We, uh, this year traveling for us is going to be busy on Christmas. So this year, Tal and I just kind of hung out, um, made a uh, strip roast. I smoked a strip roast. I did not smoke a turkey because the turkey took more than four days to defrost. So, Holy. Yeah, it was... Maybe my fridge is too cold. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Probably. But um, yeah, so the... Uh, so we just kind of stayed stayed in, hung out, um, went, to, uh, went to a comedy show on Friday. Actually, I took a Friday in November off from skating, which is insane. Um, right. To go see fortune femester she was hilarious that's uh, awesome yeah but good stuff yeah. what about you we hung out uh my dad did something different this year so he threw the turkeys in the smoker for about half the normal time oh okay so like he half smoked them and then threw them in the fryer huh it was awesome but to see you get that good smoky flavor but then smoky still get and then fry uh it was yeah, just with like yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, because you can't. That's one thing I've learned about like smoking turkeys is it's tough to get the the skin nice and crispy like you can when it's deep fried. Like you just can't beat yep. a deep fried turkey. No, you can't. You cannot. So we did that, and then we uh, just you know spent the day with family. I built a really big fire in the backyard. Nice. Um, had like eight foot flames going. Nice. Um, it was uh. It was pretty wild there. Had had myself a good old time. I I, I enjoy building fires, um, <laughs> as as we all do, right? <laughs> you know, like, I enjoy putting out fires too. Yeah, so. yeah. Um. So yeah, we did that, and then Friday was my one year anniversary with my girlfriend. Oh, nice! Congrats. Um, well, technically the the so our first date last year was on the twenty fifth, but we went out on Black Friday. Okay. So like the weeks leading up to our anniversary is like our anniversary is black Friday. It's not the 25th. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's what, um, Tal and I got married on Memorial day weekend. So for us, okay. it's the same thing, right? It's not May 23rd. It's Memorial day weekend is our yeah. anniversary every year. So, yeah. so, um, being a wrestling fan, it was survivor series weekend. So Saturday we, uh, you know, we hung out, spent a little time together, um, went and did errands and then, um, because our second date was watching Survivor Series last year. So we watched Survivor Series um, Saturday night. And I won't bore anybody with the wrestling talk, but it was an awesome pay-per-view. And we had two <laughs> huge returns. Uh, Randy Orton came back after 18 months. And he's one of my favorites. And then love him or hate him, one of the most controversial wrestlers, probably in the history of pro wrestling, CM Punk came back to WWE, which is the coolest freaking thing. So, um, and it was funny. My roommate stood there in complete shock. I, I don't, I've never seen him just stand like he's standing there with his hand on his head, his jaws at the floor. And he didn't move for a good five minutes. Like oh, it, wow. it just, what he couldn't comprehend what was going on because hell froze over in that point. So that was my Thanksgiving. It was fun. Right. And, That's and awesome. Now we're here recording. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. Well, back to hockey, right? You, man, you got you've got a couple of cool uh road you've been on the road in yeah, November. I, I was on the road two weekends this month. Yeah, it was yeah. it was awesome. Um 
I got to go to Pensacola for a Southern Pro League weekend. And uh, let's just say it was a nostalgia weekend for me. Um, I hadn't been there in about seven years. I walk in the building and the lady walking the back door of the building is the same lady that was there seven years ago. Yeah, probably the same lady that uh, was there 10 years ago when I was there. (laughs) Yeah, you know. So so I said hi to her and then I made the round. Some of the off-ice people are still the same. Um, introduced myself to the new coach because he had he was in Pensacola as an assistant when I before I started in the SP, and then Rod Aldoff, who had been the coach forever, just retired. So I had uh, I sat down with um, new coach in Pensacola, BS with him for a while. Um, it was funny. Got out on the ice, and one of the Knoxville players and I kind of had a moment because he's still in the SP, like still there. He looks at me. He's like. Wait a second. I'm like, what are you still doing here? He goes, what are you doing back here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's both one of those, you do a double take and you go, you're not supposed to be here. It's like, you're yeah, not exactly. supposed to be here either. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But it was fun. Um, both games were, were great. The Saturday game was absolutely awesome. Um, they wore um, Blue Angels themed uniforms. So they're their whole gear kit was the Blue Angels flight uniform for when they fly. Um, that we had, I think, four or five of the pilots and a couple of the support officers there. Yeah, it was cool. They they did those promo shots on the uh, they did the promo shots on the um, on the flight line. Yeah, that was really cool. Yep. And then uh, Greg Harris, the owner of the Ice Flyers, who was always always been good to us in the Southern Pro League. Um, Got to hang out with him a bit. It was good to see him. Got to go to uh, McGuire's uh, and listen to the guy sing the uh, the Irish songs and kiss the uh, moose. Uh, yep, we got to see a couple people kiss the moose. A couple people had to kiss the ass, and a couple people had to kiss the crotch. Yep. <laughs> um, if anyone's ever been to McGuire's in Pensacola, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yep. And if you haven't, well, you're missing out. You need to and go. Then, and then we went to one of your favorite places, Seville Quarter, and uh, and we we basically closed the place down. So it was honestly it was a great weekend, um, a good time there. And then I rolled it into the basically the next weekend. Uh, flew up to uh, Boston. Uh, girlfriend came with me. It was her first time up there. Uh, Gene and uh, Gino Junior hooked me up with a nice trip. Worked a couple USPHL games. Believe it or not, I worked my first ever NCAA hockey. Oh, nice. One of the things that I'd never done before. So Friday night, I worked my first ever Division I women's hockey game. Uh, Franklin Pierce and St. A's. And then Saturday, I did these doubleheader at St. A's. The women's team had their back-to-back with Franklin Pierce. And the men's team played St. Mike's. There, the men's team is in a small, like it's a six team, only six division two NCAA schools left. Wow. Um, so that was, that was pretty cool. What a barn St. A's has. Um, it's set up to be like, if they were to go D one with their men's team, eventually they can build it into a horseshoe, but right now they only have stands on one side, beautiful building. I had a blast. The whole trip was great. And then we wrapped it up on Sunday. I went down to Rhode Island, stopped at Caserta pizza for anyone in the Northeast. If you've never had Caserta pizza from downtown Providence, you're missing out. And then we hung out at my, uh, my, my cousin Rusty's house for the night. Nice. Nice. And then Thanksgiving happened. So yeah, Yeah. busy, very, very busy month for me. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I got to do a couple of cool things. I got to, um, so shout out to Western Michigan University did a big um, Veterans Day kind of salute veteran type stuff and uh, wasn't expecting this, but they called me out, gave me a coin as well um, with some of those guys. So that was really cool photo op, uh, just a classy move on their part. So uh, that was really cool. They played really well against Davenport, um, which was a surprise. Davenport was expected to smoke them, you know, eight to nothing type thing. And uh, they played them. It was two to two going into the third period of a really good game. So. They've come a long way, uh, you know, and then uh, just working stuff here. The other big thing is just high school hockey has started in Western Michigan, and it's huge. I mean, that's the the home opener the night before for the two Kalamazoo teams packs out the rink. In fact, they're going to have to find a new place to go. because It was standing room only. The uh, 
you know, the fire marshal's kicking people it's, out. Did it fire marshal the game? Like, hey, yeah, yeah, you know, um, no pep bands this year, which I was disappointed with, but uh, uh, we got to get them to co- bring those back. And then, yeah, and then it's Thanksgiving. Um, so it's busy. It's fun. And now we're, we're starting to get in the dog days. Yeah. It's December is upon us. Yep. And we all know that December, January, and February are the three hardest months of the season. Right, right. So we're getting in the dog days. You got to stay fresh. You got to find the things to keep yourself mentally prepared and ready to go. Yeah. Um, if you, for the guys that are out there grinding, take some time off. Like if, if you can maybe, you know, avoid uh weekday games for a week, just yeah. to, you know, re- relax and recover and recoup. Cause you know, December, January, February, that's, that's the time of year. We all feel it. Yep. So definitely, you know, take the time to, uh, find, find breaks when you can maybe take a Friday or Saturday off one time this month. I mean, obviously with Christmas break coming up, you know, we might not have as much, maybe some tournaments, but not some. Right. So, well, you know, and the big thing is to the season is just getting longer and longer every year. It seems like they're adding a couple of days to the season or a couple of days to the preseason. So, you know, we're no longer in the era where, hey, your first game start in October. I mean, we've got guys who are, we had AAA tournaments going in, um, yeah, yeah, late August, uh, and that's still going. Um, in fact, you know, I had one of those as well, which went really well. I got to see some young guys put on the bands AAA for the first time uh, and do a good job. So that was always, always cool to do. But yeah. The funny thing that happened this week, uh, one we're not talking about. <laughs> the other funny thing the other funny thing that happened this week um during an Ottawa Senators and Florida Panthers game uh we we had uh a one of the, the probably the call of the year so far yeah Garrett um, Rank Garrett Rank Garrett, that one, Garrett yeah. Rank getting uh we got what uh it was a, a minor for interference and roughing on one guy a minor for roughing on the other guy and then all 10 guys on the ice have a 10 minute misconduct so with, with seven minutes and 22 seconds left, uh, five guys on each team had to, had to go home and each team only had 10, um, 12 players left. Yeah. It looked like a beer league, uh, like a beer league game. Yeah. Yep. Half the benches were empty. The, I saw the Panthers goalie got to sit in the center of the bench so he <laughs> yeah. was having himself a good old time. <laughs> he was playing grocery stick between the forwards and defensemen. Oh, wow. Um, nice. The Panthers coach was like, yeah, I had to, you know, look her on my bench to see who I had left. Yeah. Um, and then for any, so for anyone that don't know the rule there, the reason why everyone got on the ice got tens is because they had a scrum. And so there's, there's your altercation, right? Um, and the referees are blowing their whistles, trying to get them to stop. The linesmen are in there trying to get them to stop. And they just kept continuing, continuing and continuing, continuing. And in the rule book, there's a 10-minute misconduct for continuing an altercation. So all 10 players were given 10-minute misconducts for continuing, and they all had to go home. Yeah. And it was glorious, and it made for a great call. The, the TV announcers certainly seemed to enjoy it. Um, yeah. I thought, you know, that was, that was pretty funny. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, when you're, whether you're working a, a pro rule book or maybe an NCAA rule book or even, you know, like a junior book, if you're in a situation where all 10 guys on the ice want to play uh, F around and find out, well, if they F around, they're going to find out. So you right. put all 10 exactly. in the box. Yeah. Um, I've actually been on the ice for, for one of those. I was in Huntsville one night and uh, we had a very similar play. A guy kind of bumps the goalie. Everyone's behind the net, myself and my partner trying to break everybody up. And the referee comes in and this is in a three man game. Andy Howard. Uh, who who was the referee? It was just one of those, you know what? Fuck all you guys, all ten of you go to the box. Love so, and, and the SP plays with a um sixteen man roster instead of eighteen. Oh wow! So, so that was yeah, that was fun. They were, and it was funny because he yells, you know, all ten of you go to the box, and all the players immediately stop and they're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. But it got him to stop, right? I mean, that's the like. It did. It got him to stop, and and let me tell you what, it was pretty crowded in those penalty boxes. Oh, I'm sure. 
Wow. Wow. Um, yep. Well, yeah, other stuff, right? So that was that was big. Other thing that happened was the guy out in Europe uh, checked the referee, right? And anyone who's seen that video, now we got a couple of, there's a couple of the downer stuff that happened, right? There's that one, the yep. smokes the guy, breaks the referee's arm. He's suspended until the end of next calendar year, right? So yeah, December. So they basically they suspended him for 12 and a half months. Yeah. Wow. Personally, if it were up to me, I would have said, bye-bye. You never get to play hockey again the rest of your life because that's yeah. assault. Right. And um, we're going to have criminal ch- <laughs> charges. Yeah. But I don't I don't know how the legal system works over there in Europe. Yeah. So, yeah, that was pretty scary. Yeah, that was. Uh, uh, hope, I hope the referee over there makes a full recovery. Um, same, same. Yeah. It, you know, and that video was weird because when I first heard, oh, yeah, some guy checked a ref, I was like, yeah, well, that's just kind of like, you know, like what we sometimes we eat one. On you know when we're in the boards or standing somewhere, we just kind of you know, got to kind of take a couple of players. But that one, it was obvious he just lined him up and it took him out. Um, yep. Yeah. And then the other one in a high school game in Texas. Uh, well, yeah, we had a yeah. The so the clip got shared in the ref group. Um, it's from a high school game in Texas. Yeah, and kid takes a check that probably should have been a boarding penalty. Yeah. Um. And then, so the red player, the one, so he hits the guy pretty far from the boards, probably should have been a boarding penalty. And then the red player like stands over the player that eventually swings a stick at him, says something, starts to skate away. And then the, the white player stands up and just says, you know what? You don't need your head anymore. And just swings it like a baseball bat. Yeah. But to the back of his head, to the back of the head. Yeah. As he's skating so I, away. I'd be willing to bet that was a match penalty. <laughs> yeah, I would say, yeah. A DQ if they're using the Federation rule book. But yes. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, like, but Truba got fined, you know, 5K for that, the maximum allowable. But, yep. Yeah. And it's something very similar. So it's yeah. just, you know, youth hockey, junior hockey, college hockey, pro hockey. It's It's all different. Right. So... Yeah, five thousand dollar fine. I mean, you can't fine a high school kid five grand. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so, you know, he'll sit his thirty days, and and that'll be that. Yeah. Um, we did get a notification that USA Hockey is going to be, I guess, at their winter meetings discussing net guards. Um. So when we know anything, you all will know. Um. But that you know that's that's all it is right now. It's just. They're going to talk about it, and they will release guidance at the national level. Um, I know for many at the local level or state level or district level, there's already been requirements put in place for them. Yep. Um, Florida has till January 1st for everyone to have a net guard playing youth hockey, and that includes all teams traveling into Florida. So interesting. Yeah. So if any, any game played under the sanctioning of Sayhoff, so any of the tournaments and anything like that. So if a team from Michigan comes down or yeah. a team from California, whatever, they have to have net guards. Yep. Otherwise they get sent off the ice. Well, and that's going to be a big deal because Florida is hosting some national tournaments this year. Yep. They've got at least one. So yep. I, th- uh, yeah, we do. I think we have girls this year. I yeah. can't remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, that email just came out asking people if they wanted to put in. Yeah, I put in for it last year. Oh, I, yeah, I got to. I think I got to respond. I got to respond by tomorrow. I think was the deadline. Yeah, tomorrow is the deadline, um, November thirtieth. So this. And will- then the last thing I have before we uh, we get into our presentation for the night uh, that that Nat has put together for us, um, offside. Uh, the the Facebook page offside always shares good stuff about officials, whether it's soccer, football, baseball, hockey. Um, he's even got a shirt right now that says a worst ref ever. So if anyone wants to to get a worst ref ever shirt, check out the offside page. But he had a good post yesterday. It was those with the least experience have the loudest opinions, and uh, I definitely feel like that kind of hits home for us as you know referees. Um, when it comes to dealing with the coaches and the parents and not knowing the rules. Right. So, and, and maybe too, sometimes it might even encounter, you know, another guy that you work with or another girl that you work with. Um, 
you know, obviously we got to do our best to educate our partners. Um, but also, you know, dealing with those opinions of coaches and, and specifically parents, right? Like, let's be real. The biggest problem is the parents. So just, just always remember that, you know, you're out there, we're doing our thing and they're being loud and obnoxious and yeah, we, we shouldn't take it, but also remember that they're just completely ignorant to it because, you know, the least experience means loudest opinions. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So Nat, you want to tell us what we're getting ourselves yeah, into? Right. So we talked a little bit earlier about getting through the grind and how, hey, uh, we're starting, you know, we're starting to get into the mid-season hump here where we're, we're working a lot of games. So something that I had been exposed to early on in my flying career uh, was something called crew resource management. And essentially what it is, it was born out of um, a history of aviation accidents where you had trained people, right? They're pilots who made mistakes um, and they cost a lot of people. They cost a lot of lives back then. And this is in the 70s. So the attitude back then was, hey, the the guy, the most experienced guy sitting in the left seat and everyone else just kind of does whatever they say. And it was actually born out of a out of a um, an accident that happened in Tenerife where two 747s collided on a runway, killing a lot of people, right? And there's a lot of, there's a lot of documentaries out there about it. NASA gets a hold of it and essentially says, hey, um, they turn it over to a bunch of psych- psychologists and kind of like people who study sociology and that kind of stuff and say, you know, really, people are not good at working in a team. You know, we're really good at just kind of either stepping up and, and saying, hey, this is, this is what's right, or we're good at just kind of following. Uh, but we're not really good at, at being a, a working in a team. So this is something I've been thinking about over the last few years, kind of trying to get how does this apply to hockey officials? Um, so this is kind of version one, but essentially, you know, what this is, what these, what, what kind of we put together, what I put together is there's seven skills that are good for, for teamwork uh, and what kind of foster, um, you know, a sense of like, hey, this is, this is how a team comes together to be able to accomplish a goal. Now for us on the ice, that's a good game, right? Making sure that we don't miss any big calls, uh, and that the best team on the ice wins. Um, and and really, that's the kind of goal. So that's why I put this together. It's like, hey, just to be able to improve the way that we can manage a game um, and have better awareness among officials and be able to just work better as a team. So, yeah, seven skills, right? Uh, decision-making, assertiveness. One is called mission analysis. I don't like that, but hey, whatever. Game analysis, we'll call it communication, leadership, adaptability, flexibility, and situational awareness. And I'll touch on each one of these briefly. I don't want to lose anybody here, but these are kind of the big skills. So decision-making, big thing on decision-making, right? Everyone knows what it means to make a decision, right? Get out there, choose course of action at the right time. Right? What do you got to do uh, with decision-making? You got to know what kind of decision you've got to make, right? You got to figure out how long you have to make that decision what other options you might have there. You got to make that decision. Um, and then a big thing on that is you got to kind of like assess, okay, how would, how did that decision go? Um, what really like when we're talking about decision-making, we're talking about good versus bad decisions, right? We always want to make good decisions and we don't want to make bad decisions. So how does, how does, um, you know, how do we make better decisions? Well, the first one is we got to know the rule book of the game that we are working, right? Like that is yep. without a doubt, one of the biggest things that I've seen, and even I've made a mistake, made mistakes on, was misapplying the wrong rule out of the wrong rule book. Um, yeah, using you know in a USA hockey game, oh, that's going calling an NCAA rule, right? Exactly. Or you're calling a junior rule in a youth game or a, a men's yeah. league game or something like that. You know. Second one is you got to be in position. So that's just knowing yourself and knowing that you got to be in position with four with the four official system. It gets a little bit easier you know, yep. uh, especially for, for referees, but it's still like, Hey, you gotta be in position. The other things, um, that help with decision-making experience, you just, you know, making bad decisions. Like I'm not going to do that again. Uh, but you also have to learn from other people's experiences because we don't have enough time to make all the mistakes ourselves. So, uh, and how do you do that? That's, that's that locker room, what I call locker room talk, right? That's the, the sharing the game situations. That's, 
it's talking with coaches, talking with other officials and just, Hey, I called this, um, watching hockey right, as much as you can. That's the whole, like, like we just talked about earlier with everyone on the ice gets a 10 minute misconduct. Um, other things that happen. Yeah. Fewer time constraints. So this is something we talked about earlier in a, in a past, um, you know, in past calls, uh, on Monday night quarterbacks and past, you know, uh, even podcasts when it's like, Hey, how do you slow down your ability to be able to make a decision? A lot of times we can't, a lot of times you you've got to make that offsides icing, uh, decision right away, uh, or that penalty call right away. But if you have an opportunity to slow things down, right on a goal, Hey, maybe that's blow the whistle. You don't signal the goal. You call your partners, you call the crew together to give yourself a little bit of time to make the mm-hmm. right decision. Well, an example of, you know, the make of that was my, in my SP game. Um, we had a goal to start off the, uh, the, the game Saturday where the referee thought he saw it one way um, and waved off the goal, thinking the player cutting through the crease made contact with the goalie. Myself and my partner were like, Mm-mm, he didn't touch him. So I, we go over to the ref crease and I make sure to position him to where he can see the video board. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, look at that. He didn't hit him. Yeah, but that, but that slows things. Right, it slows things down. It gives him another look, or it gives him some some time to be able to make that decision. um, Yeah, to get the right one. Um, You know, there there are a lot of decision making strategies out there. The one for hockey that that we mostly use is that four criteria for a penalty. You know, those five criteria for a penalty shot. Those are just your decision making strategies. It's like, hey, does it does it meet the matrix? Cool. Then it's a penalty. Does it not? Then it's not. Um, you know, then what helps others think these other teamwork skills we're going to talk about, um, mm-hmm. big thing, you know, we always talk about like decision-making, we always want to make good decisions. And I would argue that most of the kind of games that go sideways or that kind of, st- that kind of stuff, uh, things that happen generally, um, it's just because we made the wrong decision or we had some poor decision-making skills. Maybe it was just momentary. Hopefully it was just momentary, but, uh, you know, we've mm-hmm. all been there. And, you know, and then the other thing is just remember every decision you make, it affects your future options. So that's something yep. that we spend a lot of time talking about well, on the, on Monday night quarterback, right? We'll talk yeah. about things where like, Hey, you know, if we would have made this penalty call 30 seconds earlier, this wouldn't happen. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and that's part of that learning. That's, that's learning from other people's experience. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that's really good there. So that's kind of decision-making. The next one is assertiveness and, and your story shows kind of is a, is a, an example of good assertiveness, but what does assertiveness do? It's the willingness to actively participate. Right. Um, and it's also, it's, it's, it's the opposite of passive, right. And it essentially says, Hey, I saw this and it's your ability to be able to state and maintain your position until you're convinced by facts that other options are better, right. Or that, or that you're wrong. Um, it requires a lot of courage and initiative, especially for new folks, or especially if, if you're working with someone that you don't know, especially if that person, you know, may be from a league that's above yours, right? And it might be yeah. tough to be like, hey, no, uh, I still have too many men on the ice. You know, there were six yeah. guys, you know, that kind of stuff. Until you're, until you can be proven otherwise. Just hey, or like as a linesman going over to a referee and saying, uh, I think I have this. Right. No, that's not assertive. Go into the lines and say, hey, 25 just speared 32. Um, he's got a major in a game or he's got a DQ. He's got to go. Right. Exactly. Right. And it's it's the idea that you're confronting an ambi- you know, You don't want to be ambiguous. You want to maintain your position even when challenged. Right. And uh, you want to put your opinion in there and say, hey, no, this is what's going on. And it also means refusing an unreasonable request, right? So that's one of those things. And this, that's one of, it's one of the things that I want to talk about a little bit where this goes to not just the team, but also maybe talking with coaches where you're saying, Hey, yeah, we're not going to talk about this right now. You know, you're just being assertive. That's the, it's not reasonable to stop the play for a minor penalty, shut everything down. We got to keep the game moving. Uh, And just, you said, right. So a situation, right. Linesman reporting penalties and goals. You got to be assertive, right? Use active language. The other thing is, is that when you notice you or your partner and your, what I call sandbagging, right? You're just kind of long for the ride. That's when you got to be assertive and be like, Hey, I need you back in the game. Um, you know, uh, don't assertiveness doesn't mean aggressive, right? doesn't mean being a jerk. doesn't mean being an asshole. 
Um, it just means being, you know, being, you're being assertive, you're being stern, um, you're not passive. And, and always remember, if you see something on the ice, it's what you don't say that's going to bite you, right? So you, if you don't have the, the courage to stand up and say, hey, that was a spear, as opposed to, I think I could have, I didn't get a very good look. It's like, no, either say, this is what I saw, or I did not see it. And it's okay if you say, I did not see it. But even saying, I did not see it, that is an assertive way to say, I didn't see it, you know? Um, here's one that's weird. And I've spent a lot of time on this one, the, the CRM folks and, and all those, the the NASA wants to say mission analysis, right? The idea of, of, I call it pregame analysis. And I think this is something that we don't, we don't do very often, um, as, as a collective group of officials, but the good ones always do it, right? So you'll notice that the good guys always do this stuff and they're, Essentially, what they're doing is they're just developing, hey, I've got this game coming up uh, and I need to start planning for it. I need to kind of think about what what do I need to do um, to lead to less uncertainty, right? To increase your performance of the ice. And again, also to enhance safety for everybody, which which is a, a key topic there. Um, there's three three times that you do it, right? Pre-game, in-game, and post-game, which sounds really nerdy, but it's it's important to be like, hey, yeah. So pregame, what do you got to do, right? So when we're talking about game analysis, what am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about, A, first things first, knowing what rule book you're going to use, right? Just refresh yourself on it, whether you got your cheat sheet or you got anything else like that. The next thing I like to do is to kind of know, hey, are there any key players, coaches, you know, stats? Like, what is there? Is there the league-leading goal scorer? Uh, on one yep. of these teams, is there a league? Yeah, league? one of one yeah. of the things we like to do in in uh, our games before is sit and look at the stat pack, like mm-hmm. who's got the most penalties. We're looking at you know, hey, maybe yeah. oh, this guy's new. Oh wow, he's six foot six, two forty. That's fun. Um, like just knowing all that information, looking at who's you know the names of the coaches, you know, going through the list and trying to remember a couple players' first names. Yeah, um, you know, especially like captains, maybe right. Yep, uh, goaltenders. I like to know captains and goaltenders' first names for sure, um, just because those are the guys who are going to get worked up the most, and it's easy to absolutely. Call them down. Yeah, all the things that you know. What happened the last time the teams met? Um, maybe nothing. Maybe you had a gong show. You don't want to be that one where it's like, oh yeah, these two guys are looking for some payback because of a spearing incident that happened. And you walk in, you don't even know that. That's not a good thing. Um, yeah, you know. And then other stuff that I like to just say is, "Hey, what am I working on as an official today?" You know, is it uh, is it everything? Do I have a specific thing J- just to kind of keep that in mind? Um, other stuff to think about, like game preparation. Right? We talk about I pack. You know, everything. Something as simple as packing your gear the same way. You know, every single time. Good officials do that every single time, so we know what we've got planning for meals, water, all that kind of stuff, who you're working with. If you don't know who you're working with, maybe shoot them a taxi or a call. And then just identify stuff where you're like, hey, what could go wrong? You know, Maybe I want to leave an hour and a half before the game because the weather's getting crummy out there. That's stuff like that keeps your brain in the game and it makes you think because one of the worst things to do is to not plan and show up 15 minutes prior. You're rushing. You know, you're just not setting yourself up for success in the pregame. Exactly. You know, so true. And then... Um, how do you talk to when you, when you identify all that stuff, like you said, how do you, how do you go through? So Ross, how do you, when you're getting ready to skate any CHL game, do you go through the same thing each time? You're like, okay, cool. Hey, uh, I'm going to ask the referee, Hey, what do you want me to do with high sticks and hand passes? Yep. Before every game, whether it be coast SP junior game, whatever college game, you know, high stick hand pass, puck out of play, see it, call it. Um, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if I'm working with a linesman I've never worked before, hey, when you know we go into a fight, are you left-handed or right-handed? Um, you know, and, and do I need to come over the top with my right or my left? Um, uh, let's uh, you know be fast and fair on face-offs, like that. You know, go over like all the little things that we do. Like, yeah. some, I'll talk about my if I'm working with someone I don't know. I'll talk about my cadence on face-offs just like how I do things and then how they do things. So that way we can get on the same page so that 
if I have wingers encroaching behind him, I'm not blowing the whistles. He's dropping the puck. Exactly. Right. And, and that's something that, again, we talk about like as, as an officiate, as officials writ large, not a lot of guys do it, but the good ones do this every time. And it's, you talk about, Hey, what, uh, and you talk about the same things, like you say, you know, high sticks, hand passes, puck out of play. Hey, if we're doing uh, no change, we got no change scenarios. Who's who's responsible for holding the benches? Who's not? Um, and you kind of are assigning those tasks. So there's no ambiguity. So we make sure that everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing, when and where. Like you said, hey, that fight breaks out. I'm left-handed. So I'm going to want to go in with my left hand over the top. Well, that's important, yep. you know, for you to know just as well as I do. So we're not looking at each other. You know, while we're trying to break up, we're looking at the players that we're trying to break up. So and then a big thing on the pregame brief is like ask questions, like be assertive, right? These these skills are not, they're not in a vacuum and these aren't done in any certain order. Right? Be assertive. If you, if you have any questions about, oh, I'm not sure about this, then that the time to ask is before you step on the ice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in the game, just check in with each other, right? So we can talk about in-game analysis, just check in. Hey, how are things going? Um, we do this a lot. Hey, what did you think about this call? What did you think about that call? Just kind of like keeping our, our mind going. And then do we need to make any changes? Right? Sometimes you just got to like call an audible and say, Hey, we, we got to kind of change up how things are doing because these guys are not, they're not listening or I want you to be louder or, um, you know, maybe we can relax a little bit because these, the guys are relaxing and, and the hockey's going well. Yep. The one thing that I think we don't do as a community very well is the post game stuff. Everyone like likes to kind of like high five and, and, and handshake and great job. And, and I'll see you next time. Um, but sometimes it's like, Hey, just be honest, you know, and provide some timely feedback. Hey, how, how are my, you know, and, and sometimes that means. Well, being, something we don't do anymore is just talk to each other. Right. Like guys, just everyone's just on their phones. Like nobody like really talks to each other anymore. Right. But you know, it's like, Hey, what I like to do after a game is just ask a couple of questions. Hey, what do you think about my faceoff today? Was I rushing? You know, hey, what? Mm-hmm. Um, just just a simple, just something simple to get the conversation started. Be a good, you know, uh, be assertive, be a good leader there at that point, which is another skill we'll talk about here. Um, and be interactive. So, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And be and it's okay to share that I didn't like that. You know, so I think that's one yep. of those things where we just have to be honest with each other because no one's going to get better if the feedback that everyone gets is, yeah, that was great. You know, like, okay, yeah. cool. Well, um, so yeah. Um, a little constructive criticism never hurt nobody. Right. Exactly. You know, um, and we all have to, we all understand that we make bad calls and we screw up and it happens. That's why there's provisions in the rule book for it. Yep. Um, so communication, right, This is one, uh, verbal and nonverbal, um, really it's the ability to clearly and accurately send and receive information. Right? So how do we, how do we send information to each other? It, it can be something as simple as, Hey, we're talking. It can be something like you getting bumped off your line. So you look up at me, right. And I know I give you the thumbs up and I skate right in or, you know, to cover your line as you go, right. Because you know that you and I looked at each other, you didn't just leave. You looked up and I knew what you were saying type thing or hey in a, a referee in three three official system um if there's a home run pass and i'm getting beat one of the things that i like to tell guys is if you see me given the run the two finger run up single a signal you know like that means i want you to cover right so give me a thumbs yep. up and go um and and, and really what is it what is it uh, what do we got to do to make our communication better so as a sender we just have to make sure that we're clearly accurately and concisely sending the information and in a timely manner, right? So as we were talking about earlier with the linesman reporting a penalty, don't say, well, I kind of saw this or, you know, just say just the facts, um, you know, and then the receiver's got to pay attention, you know, and acknowledge what's going on. You can, there's, there's techniques and all that, that you can do. Um, eye contact is really good, right? Hey, just, just make sure that you're, you're listening to what people are saying. Mm-hmm you know, and clarify if you're not sure, right? That's on you, right? So if you don't understand what they're saying, it's on you to clarify that. Um, and why is it, you know, and, and that's, so those are the kind of the two roles. Why is it important? You got to make, you have to be on the same page, make the right calls, 
communication avoids missed calls, right? Because it makes sure that if we're communicating again in the, I got to bump off the line, that means the line is still covered, right? It means, means that something, uh, it means that we're just not missing anything. Um, yeah. You know, we can pass information from one to another. If I'm refereeing and you're lying and you, you know, um, and the clock, you know, we're in a building where the clock is behind us and one of us looks up, Hey, 30 seconds left on the penalty. Right. You know, oh, or absolutely. Maybe, you know, maybe it's at wings West where, or, you know, wings event center where the only clock is above you and you can't see it. If you are, if you're from the face off dots in, you really can't see the, so, yeah. you know, being able to just talk, Hey, 20, you know, 20 seconds on that penalty. Awesome. Thanks. Yep. Right. Um, that that allows allows us to maintain you know awareness as a group so how do you when you know communication is breaking down how do you fix it right well the first thing is you just got to understand hey we're not communicating very well um and then you got to talk to each other right so sometimes that might mean like hey we're not talking well okay the next the next stoppage we're just going to come up and be like hey let's get on the same page real quick you know hey give me a look before you bump or Mm -hmm. something like that you know uh, using the appropriate mode of communication at decibel level. So do I need to yell? Well, if, if you yell all the time, that means everything's important. So nothing's important. Right. Um, yep. but so, so it's like looking for that nonverbal communication, looking for, for how you, how you, uh, and the big thing also is use standard terminology. This is something that we use. We're very comfortable using slang and that, that works well, but use concise and standard terminology. If you're talking to, a you know if you're talking to another official this is exactly what i saw if you're talking to a player i need you to move your well, left foot back speak hockey right yeah yes like right speak hockey to coaches and players because they they know they yeah. know how to talk hockey referees yeah. we can talk referee to each other yes. but don't talk referee to a player because he's going to look at you like he's got you know like you got two heads right. so if you talk if you talk hockey to them they'll listen right yeah. I was I always love this quote to so the greatest enemy of effective communication is the illusion of it, right? It's the idea that we think we're communicating well and we're not, and that it will show quickly. And you've seen games, we've seen games, everyone has, even on TV, where there's a couple of officials who you can tell it's like, man, they just don't seem like they're working well. Well, it's yeah. probably because they're not talking to each other very well. They're not communicating. Um Yep. And every once in a while you see it. Yeah. where just guys can't get on the same page. And, you know, sometimes you're lining and maybe you and your partner haven't figured it out yet. And, oh, we got a naked line now. Oops. Yep. Right. Well, they weren't offside, or at least I don't think they were. So we're just going to ride on with that one. You know, right. You know, yeah. stuff like that. Or how many times have I seen, you know, even in a four official game, I've seen two referees skate down to the goal line, you know, and they're like, what are you guys doing? You're not communicating. No right? Because you're not on the same page, right? Yes. Um, and it's like, whoa, what's going on, guys? Uh, and then yep. and then once they identify, okay, crap, you know, all right, well, how do you prevent that? Well, you got to talk to each other better. Um, and that that's because, yeah, and they both thought they were doing the right thing. Okay, cool. It happens. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, so the next one is leadership. So this one is, it's it's actually... It's really important um, because there's got to be someone who's directing and coordinating the team, right? Um, and there's that always that one person on the ice that everyone kind of looks to when things are uh, when things are going sideways, or even when they're not, when it's just kind of normal ops. And there's really two types of leadership, right? So the one is the designated three official citizen. That's a referee, you know. Maybe it's the most yeah. experienced referee. You know, we talk about head referee type stuff. That's just leadership by, you know, rank, title, crew, position, that kind of stuff. That's normal. But then you get the well, functional side. And, and yeah. too, right? Like, with it, just because you're a referee, like, don't be that guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, at the end of the day, it's your job. You're the end all, you know. Yeah. But you also got linesmen that might have a lot more experience than you or right. might have less experience than you. Exactly. So, you know, there, there's leadership and then there's, you know, knowing when to take your cues from your partners. Right. And you know what that second thing is? It's functional leadership, which is actually yeah. the term for that is functional leadership, right? And that's where it, it's the, just by knowledge or expertise. And the big thing with that is, is that 
the designated leaders have to be able to know when to allow the functional leaders to kind of temporarily take over, uh, mm-hmm. to take charge of the situation because they're, they're either more qualified, they've got more experience, they've got more, you know, maybe it's something as simple as, hey, this is what happened and the coach is mad at me, but I need, you know, the coach, and I need you to go talk to him. All right, cool. I got it. Right. And now you're like, hey, I'm now taking over as a leader for this situation um, because it's just a better, you know, it, it will, it will have a better desired outcome. Yeah. Um, and absolutely. You know, we've all been on games where we are, uh, we're the experienced official, whether it's two, three or four, and you've got the other guy who comes in who's brand new, who thinks they're going to run the show, uh, you know, and things just kind of fall apart. And you, and we have two options there. We can either say, all right, you know, all right, we're going to let you do that. Or that's when we have to come in, be assertive and say, like, Hey man, you need to settle down. Yep. Agreed. You know, cause um, we, as much as sometimes we want to, and, and I know everyone, everyone that's listening or everyone, everyone that referees, we, we've all been in this position where you're just like, you know what? I'm just going to let this guy fail. Right. Right. Like you've been on the ice at some point. You're like, you know what? I'm just, you know, he's on his own. Yeah. Don't do that. Right. Cause if you fail each other, you fail as a team. Right. You failed as, you know, being like, and I wouldn't say fail, but you, uh, you didn't operate well as a team and now the game didn't go well. So don't just be like, you know what? So that's when you step up and maybe, Hey, you and your, the other guy you're working with, with, maybe the two of you guys step up together and say, Hey, here's what's going on. We need to fix this. Right. You know, and, and then remember, like, again, leadership is not the sole responsibility of one person, but each person has specialized duties that they're going to be really good at, you know, even the office folks. So that's some of the, something that we tend to, we tend to, um, forget about from time to time. And that's going to be tough, right? Cause in, in those youth games, it's probably a parent who's running the score sheet or the clock, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's a rank, uh, employee who you might know, uh, other times it's not. So that's that like, Hey, you, how many times, how many times have I in, in the amount of time that I've been refereeing, just let the person running the clock look like a buffoon. Right. But that looks yeah. bad on everybody. You know, and they're like, it exactly. You just said, we're going to let them fail. So rather than going over and be like, Hey, is this okay? Like helping them being the leader, the on ice, you know, the taking that leadership role and to say, Hey, you know, um, how can we get this fixed? Is there anything that you need? Oh, I just need a couple more minutes or I just need a couple more time, you know, a couple, yeah. you know, a little bit more time to, to figure this out. Okay. That's great. Um, two more here. Like I said, I'm, bl- I'm, I'm blazing through these because, you know, I think they're good, but they're, uh, things get a little dry. So another one, adaptability, flexibility. So the, essentially this is how many times, um, have we seen things go sideways because someone can't adapt to what's going on in front of them, right? They, they developed a plan, but, but you know, things are going sideways. So you get new information, right? How do you maintain constructive behavior under pressure, right? Which under pressure is, is something that's, it's important. And how do you adapt to internal, external kind of changes and environmental changes? And that can be anything from, you know, coaches are unhappy, Fans are unhappy. Parents are yelling, um, you know, to, Hey, maybe it's just, it's a tie game with one, you know, it's a, it's a tie game with a minute left and you've got to make a decision on whether you're going to call a penalty or not. And there's a lot of folks who will go out there and say, well, I called that same penalty in the first minute of the first period. So it's a, so it is a penalty in the last minute of the third period. And that may be the case, you know, that may be the case, uh, but you still have to be able to read the room, right? And be able to be like, okay, well, is it the same game? Right? And just kind of flex and adapt to what you're seeing. Um, so when do we, when do we require it? Well, one of them is, you know, Hey, maybe the way that I'm communicating is falling on with the players is falling on deaf ears, right? Maybe it's just not working. I got to back off. I got to do something different. Maybe you're out of position. If you're out of position, yeah, you've got to get back into position, but what are you going to do for those 10 or 15 seconds while you're struggling? You know, you, you can't just go head down uh, and turn the legs on and get there. You got to figure out, okay, how do I read the play? What, how do I adapt um, to make sure that the right call gets made here? 
other kind of yes. other kind of times. You know, what happens when someone gets hurt, right? We we never really talk about that, but that's something. What happens when we got to switch the officiating system mid game, right? What if you're a two officiating system and your partner gets hurt and is like, I got to leave, and I'll, are you going to work the game solo? You know, um, well. Yeah. It's one of those like, well, if, if you go, if you're in a four man game and you go, um, you, you lose a referee. Well, now it's, uh, just a regular old three man. Right. If you lose then, a linesman, you know, if now you lose you're, a linesman. Now you're two and one, you know, exactly. In a, in a three man game, it gets a little wonky cause you can, you could, you could go one and one, you could yeah. go just regular two man. Right. If a linesman gets hurt in a, a a three man game, you go one and one. Referee drops the pucks in the end zones. Yeah. Um, linesman drops the pucks in the neutral zone. You just, you know, or yeah. if a referee gets hurt, you go, um, you know, and and everything but pro hockey, I would say you would go two man. Yeah. Um, and then in a pro game, you you generally the senior linesman is going to become the referee. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and, but that's something that's like, you got to flex and you got to be able to do that. And we, and we have to do it quickly, right? It's not like we yep. get 20 minutes to, to remember and talk about, you know, oh, I got to do this stuff now. Um, one of the times you got to flex interactions are strained, right? Whether that's between officials, whether that's between coaches, whether it's between players, any type of stuff, Hey, we got to flex cause we got to calm that stuff down. And then the other one, a hey, multiple fights and scrums. And again, we have decision-making strategies for these, right? Hey, do you take the the first one? Do you take the worst one? That's something that you got to you gotta kind of call. Mm-hmm. And you might have to call an audible on that one because you're like, hey, yeah, we, we said in the pregame that we're going to take the first one, but holy crap, we got to go and take the worst one right now. And you got to be able to communicate the flex, right? To call the audible. Yep. Um, and And we have all seen those videos and we've probably been there at some point in our careers too where where we are just ping-ponging around multiple scrums not quite sure what to do right and it's like hey, because we didn't flex very well um and and we're, we're we've got too many things going on it's like nope once you flex commit to that decision for you know if, for a beat and then reassess but but once you call that audible, once you flex to something else, like commit to it for you know, and and then, um, you know, and then reassess. Yeah. You know, um. So and and again, right? Like we just you have to be able to adapt and flex. It's what you have to do. Last one here. I always like to leave this one for last. Situational awareness. Because there's two types of situational awareness. There's good situational awareness and there's bad situational awareness. And all right. And all the situational awareness is is it's the perception of your current environment and how well it matches reality. Um, We've all been out there where we think that hey everything's going perfect and it's not, or we think things are terrible and it's actually pretty good, you know, or um you know, we just don't, you just don't have an understanding of really what's going on. And I'd say this is one of those things that, that, that gets guys, linesmen and referees, both, it it will really kind of, kind of bite you is because if you, if you don't understand that your perception of what's going on is, is not good, you're going to miss something, whether that's, you know, whether that's a a big penalty, whether that's a goal, whether it's the fact that you're just going to start throwing gasoline on a fire um, you know, you've got to understand that. And, um, you got to be able to project kind of, Hey, what's going to happen in the future. So, so good situational awareness is not only knowing what's going on right now, but it's also being able to say, okay. And I know about 15 seconds, uh, what's going to happen, right? It's being able to read plays, um, talk. I, there was a good story kind of about, um, so there was a guy in the fed, got a player who got arrested for uh for beating his wife player right and Mm -hmm. was sentenced to go to jail for 30 days but it was like he he had a report date to jail well he was still playing while um you know so while he was sentenced to go to jail so which is crazy right um yeah yeah right but 
all of that to say is that so players would come up to him and, and would just chirp him and be like, hey, man, I, you know, tom- I hear you got to go check into jail tomorrow. Are you going to beat me like you beat oh, your wife last night? Right. Oh. Bad. Right. But the linesman, the officials on that game knew about it. Right. So they they knew to be able to say, like, go over and be like, guys, stop it. Right. Like there's a yep. point where, you know, you're you, you you're going to break this guy and he is going to kill you. You know? Yeah. Because uh, he's a, he's a yeah. Someone, um, someone might get hurt tonight. Right, exactly. So, like, had the situational awareness. And then they said, we, had, we knew that no matter what happened, we were going to be next to him. You know, one, one linesman, anytime, anytime there was a stoppage, we were just immediately going to him, you know, because we knew that as long as we were there, nothing bad was really going to happen that we couldn't, you know, talk him out of. Mm-hmm. So, things that things that reduce our situational awareness, right? Bad communication. Um, if we're tired, if we're stressed out, if we're overloaded or underloaded, right? So if like, if, if the game is too much or maybe if the game is, hey, it's a boring game, right? Maybe this is one of those where you're working your beer league game um, and it's a, it's a C league, right? It's a C league game. Guys are just kind of hanging out, you know, and you are, you're just in la la land watching the four people in the stands. Um, and you're not really paying attention. Yeah. Uh, you know, other one is kind of the group mindset of just how many times do we walk into, and this is something I've been guilty of. How many times we walk into a, you know, into a locker room and we see the teams we got, we're like, ah, this is not going to be a good game, right? That immediately is going to kill our situational awareness because if we are putting ourselves in a group mindset of this isn't going to be good. Um, the get it done philosophy, right? They're just like, I want to get in and get out. Uh, I don't care. The, the red line is 12, you know, is 12 feet wide and the blue lines are six yep. feet wide and, and all been there on many a Thursday nights. Right. Exactly. You know, and when you're doing that, like that's just, that's just reducing your essay and it's okay. Right. I'm not saying that any of those things, any of these things are bad. It's just one of those like, Hey, as we see it happening, you know, we have to just kind of like, okay, hey, let me recage myself. Um, you know, and 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 SA is it, it's such a situational awareness is such a critical factor in our ability to respond effectively to like situations to to um, to things that may go right and wrong. And again, it's the knowing where I need to be. It's having the situational awareness of what's going on on the ice um, and maintaining a high level. It better prepares everybody to respond to, Hey, I don't like uh, So when something weird is happening. So that's kind well, of yeah, that, man, it, you know? Yeah. Just this situational awareness thing is huge. Like when I was in the air force, it was, you know, much of the same. It was just always being aware of your surroundings, whether it was, I mean, granted stateside base, like we were in the middle of nowhere in Mississippi. So it wasn't that big of a deal, but Great. like when we were in Qatar, um, like, even though it's Qatar, yeah, it's a pretty safe place. But you know, the bad guys were still operating there, and we had to be aware of our surroundings at all time. And I'll never yeah. forget the day um, I was sitting at the gate, and a car drives up, and the back end of the car is weighed down. Like that's that's Every, weird. <laughs> everyone went into full freakout mode. Yeah, and then so we're searching the car. We call the canine. Canine gets triggered by something sits oh boy here we go eod comes out and it turned out it it just it was a car just full of concrete bags but right still we had the situation the situational awareness to be like the guy all the all the people that were working the gate that day Mm -hmm. we see this car drive up and the back end is weighed down and we're like oh boy right so like when you're going into the rink or you're you know, sitting in the locker room before a game and you know who's playing each other, you know, maybe you have that situational awareness of, okay, team A is playing team B and team A and team B do not like each other. And you have, you know, number 55 on this team and number 29 on this team. Well, these are the two heavyweights and we're going to get one or two out of them. And then the other guy maybe just came off a three game suspension. So you're not sure if he's going to do anything that night. And then, you know, like maybe the team goes up six rip at home and now you're like, Oh boy, now we're ready for anything. 
Yep. But then nothing happens. But luckily, we were ready for it. It's just you know, right. reading the game, just being aware of any potential thing that could happen, and just being ready, and then just reading the room of what's going on. Yeah, I think that's the big thing for situational awareness for me. Yeah, it, and you know, it's funny you mentioned that the the opening skate that I had at regional camp, right? So the first time that we get on the ice after you know we get our little warm up, your USA Hockey silent warm up is used to do. Yeah. And uh so they call everyone in and then they just start asking people, "Hey, how many doors are in the rink? Where are they? You know, where does the Zamboni come out of?" You know, and then we were like, "Uh, and we got bag skated because nobody could tell anybody, "Hey, where's oh, the nearest, funny. you know, where's the nearest door? If you've got to get if you have to get someone on or off the ice quickly, where's the nearest door? Where do the locker rooms come from? You know, do the teams skate onto the ice to get to the to benches or do they come to other doors directly, you know, directly to the bench. And I think that's something even things like if you've got a game and you know that the parents are all over you, hey, is there another exit that you can get out of the building, you know, from? Yep. You know, maybe that's yep. the like, is there a back door that I can get out of here in to avoid that confrontation? And again, yeah, so and and, and so situational awareness kind of helps with all that. And that's, but that's what all of these seven skills do is essentially say, Hey, here's some things that we can do. And what happens when our situational awareness is, is below is bad, or it's just not good. We lean on the other skills. You know, when one, when you notice one is not going well, you got to start leaning on the others to kind of compensate, to get that one. That's, it's not as good. Um, just build it up. So. Yeah, man. I hope you guys, decision-making, assertiveness, mission analysis, communication, leadership, adaptability, flexibility, flexibility, uh, and situational awareness. Um, Perfect. I love know, it. So kind of a weird, a weird take there. Um, well, it's just, you know, re managing your crew, Yep. the guys you work with and just kind of different things to be aware of. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I definitely think it's something we can expand on in the future and maybe yeah. uh, put together like a presentation for, you know, someone. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know who. Right. Yeah. Someone. But um, no, I, I, I th honestly, I thought this was great information and it's it's all stuff that like I feel like most of the guys know, but maybe we don't take as serious as we should. Yeah. Or maybe this is your first time thinking about, you know, those types of things. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's the goal, right? You know, I don't, you know, this is something that I've been a little, um, probably over the last probably three years ish. This, this is something I've been thinking about a lot, uh, towards officiating. And I think it's something that, again, it's one of those things where good officials do all of this already, whether they realize it or not, they're doing this stuff, you know? Yeah. So, and they do it every time they get on the ice. And I think that's something that is important to note, um, you know, whether they, and we're all, we're all doing this, whether we know it or not, um, we're doing yep, it. Absolutely. So maybe being conscious of it will help us get better, uh, and, and work better as a team. And if we work better as a team, no matter what happens on the ice, at least we can come back and be like, yeah, we were the best team on the ice. And what makes us the best team on the ice? Not only, you know, not only can we do all this stuff, but then we can also talk about, Hey, what didn't go quite? Exactly. Exactly. So, because we got to be honest with ourselves, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, cool. You got anything yeah. else? I really don't, man. I hope everyone, man, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to some of the other ideas that we have coming up this season. Um, we've got a couple other good folks that, uh, that are coming on for everybody. We're still, our goal is still to do two a month during the season. So we apologize to you guys that we didn't meet that goal in November, but we will in December uh, and moving forward. Um, and we really appreciate everyone who's kind of, Everyone, everyone who's out there who bought JFL hats and only bands hats and, and is, is doing the Movember uh, contest with everybody. Unfortunately, Ross and I had to um, bow we had out. To end, we, yeah, I had to bow out on Thanksgiving because I promised, I promised Carla it would come off on Thanksgiving. Yeah, see, and, and Tal told me that um, she's like, I'm allowed to grow a beard and then I can shave the beard for a mustache, but the Air Force will not let me grow a beard 
So she was mm. like, you cannot just grow like, so mine lasted 15 days before she was like, yeah, you have to, you have to shave that or you have to stay in a hotel. It's <laughs> 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 like, like, I can't look at it. Well, like, there, well, there you go. Yeah, so, exactly. So, well, in that case, I think we're going to wrap it up. Um, I will be, well, by the time you're listening to this, the post will be already be up. I'll be yeah. posting the Movember stuff tomorrow for everyone to submit their pictures. Um, and uh, yeah, we will catch you guys in a couple weeks uh, on the next episode of the Team Stripes podcast. Thanks for listening.